Welcome to the Intern Whisperer Live, the show all about internships and how to survive them. This is Jerron. This is Isabella. And joining us for this episode is Brittany Stanley, MBA graduate from Rollins College Crummer Business School and previous intern with Pivot Business Consulting, and also Eric Garcia, graduate from UCF and previous intern with Pivot Business Consulting. And coming up this episode of Intern Whisper Alive, we're talking to Brittany Stanley, who was a social media intern and previously worked in Seminole County as an emergency communication specialist. Also, we're talking to Eric Garcia, a previous marketing intern with Pivot Business Consulting and now works in the hospitality and food industry. We're also going to talk about some great leaders. We're going to talk about some entrepreneurship, the coolest things in innovation in your industry, and stories from working in government overseas in the hospitality industry. Awesome. So how can people find us? Well, they can find us on Facebook and you can find us as Pivot Biz Consult and a separate Facebook page, Intern Pursuit, Facebook.com, Intern Pursuit. We are also on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Google, My Business, Google Plus. And I think I forgot a channel. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google. Oh, YouTube. We have YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have that. And then People can listen to us live at mixlr.com, Valencia College Radio, and watch us live on Facebook. But first, let's talk about our first sponsor, Starter Studio, an accelerator and co-working area located in downtown Orlando. A cool co-working space to 100-plus companies working in areas of technology and supportive businesses. A healthy startup community doesn't exist in a bubble, and Starter Studio is working to connect startups to a broader entrepreneurial ecosystem that will help them grow. You can find them at starterstudio.org. Thank you, Starter Studio, for sponsoring the Intern Whisperer. Yep, thank you very much. So our first spotlight, our intern spotlight, previous intern spotlight, I mean previous intern, duh, um, (laughs) is Brittany. And Brittany is communicating with us via Skype. So we're going to hope that we have really good mojo with all of the IT firewalls, that there's no bumps in the road. So we're going to hope everything goes through. Brittany? Yeah, say hello, Brittany, so we know you're still there. Okay, great. (laughs) It works. (laughs) Yay. And you previously previously worked in Seminole County for the emergency management, which means you were a 911 operator. Yes. That's going to be really good stories there. Why did you move up to Virginia? You left me, and I am so incredibly (laughs) sad. I'm sorry. No, I moved up to Virginia because it's the state that I love the most. We actually lived here previously for four years, and I've always had a connection to the state. I love going into D.C. I love the politics, the history, just the ease of commuting, the environment. I love the seasons. I just I love everything about Virginia. The reason why I moved up when I did, I moved back, was because I was hired with the U.S. Capitol Police Department. So I was able to fulfill a dream of becoming a federal employee, and I'm really excited. I know. I remember that you wanted to work, oh, let's see, in the government, and you went overseas to do some things in Switzerland. And my goodness, you have some really great stories to, to share. So we're looking forward to hearing what those are. But what do you do in this new position? How is it any different from what you did in the county? 
I actually haven't started yet. I won't start until March 19th, but it's basically the same thing that I was doing before. I am a 911 dispatcher, which basically means when you have an emergency, that first voice you hear isn't necessarily a police officer. In some smaller agencies, that's the case, but I'm talking extremely small, as in there are only two or three police officers for that agency, small. Mm-hmm. Anything, we, I worked in an agency that had 52 law enforcement officers, and there were eight full-time dispatchers at that particular agency, but I am the voice that you're going to hear first. So even if you don't have an emergency, even if you're calling just asking questions about anything, it could be, hey, how do I get a record of this? How do I get my fingerprinting done? Um, I had a case that I filed a report for. How do I get a copy of that report or how do I update it? I have some new information for you. So it's basically the same thing with a few little tweaks. Now, this isn't a question that I, you know, had, I had given you some questions in advance, so you'd know what I was going to ask. But this one isn't one. I've never asked this of you, so I'm curious. Have you ever had a child that's called in and it was like a real emergency or where a kid called and just asked you a ridiculously silly question? I've had both. Um, I had one where thankfully the fire department got there before I had to actually do anything. But they, for whatever reason, our transfer button wasn't working in this particular call. And I don't remember why, but I couldn't get them over to the fire department side. And this child was trying to tell me that his mother was giving birth. Oh, my goodness. And and she, oh, my goodness, this kid, 10 years old, I think it was a little boy, super, super sweet, super calm through the whole thing. And we finally got the fire department on the line. And they started walking them through everything. But he was so cute throughout the whole, the entire call. He's just, I'm sorry, my mom's giving birth and she's in the car. Oh, uh, oh. who's driving at that point in time? No, she had, what had happened was that she had gotten to the car thinking that she was okay enough to drive Uh and she wasn't. And then she got in the car and realized, oh, no, no, I'm not. So this poor kid helped deliver that child in the driveway. God, that sounds like, I know Eric's saying something too. It's like, that's got to have been traumatic. That's going to be the best older brother. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. At least 10. Could could you imagine if that was like a four-year-old? I don't Uh, even think that would be possible. Yeah. But that's an amazing story. Yeah. He was so sweet. Wow. at the you get the silly calls where it's hey I think my favorite one was a kid and I'm sure that you've heard this particular one before you'll hear about the little kids calling in for math problems and no. I got one of those calls and again it was a little five year old girl <laughs> and she said my mommy told me that when I need help I need to call the police. <laughs> and that's I said so that's right what do you need help with and she said I have a math problem. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you can't say no to that. <laughs> no, but that's like that's precious. And I I think that there's this place that we've always been told that if they call that could be a big fine for the family. You know, I don't know if that's true, is it? If like, they are is that abusing a... 911. There is such a thing as abusing the 911 line. So, for that particular situation, it was a 5-year-old. They were doing what they were told to do. Yeah. And- I help them and, I, and we remind them, hey, this is an emergency line. Make sure that you, you only call if somebody is hurt mm-hmm. was how we try to phrase it because mm-hmm. they're so little. They don't understand. No. So abusing the 911 line, that's if 
we have kids and this has happened before they repeatedly call over and over and over and over again wow. and they're they're abusing the 911 line and potentially tying up a line that is needed for a real emergency right. so then yes yeah yeah but that has to make everybody's day when you get something that's kind of fun like that oh absolutely yeah that's cool so why did you pursue an MBA oh wait what was your undergraduate degree and where did you go to school? Because I met you when you were at Rollins. I also obtained my undergraduate from Rollins mm-hmm. as well. I went through the Holt School and I loved it. I loved the Holt program. I donate to them yearly mm-hmm. when I can. They love my- you. Mm-hmm. They love you for doing that. Too. Yes. <laughs> and they actually have called the checkup on me. Just to sort of brag about the Holt School, I get a call once a year, and it's not a fundraising call at all. It is legitimately a, how are you doing? That's nice. How is life? How is, has the degree helped you at all? Has it hindered you? You know, where are you at right now? And that, I find, is fantastic. I never expected my school to do that. Well, what so, was your degree? I had an international relations degree. Uh, yeah. I which, loved it. Which is like marketing. From, way, from yes. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing about the Holt School is uh, it doesn't, it's Rollins. I mean, when you, we talk about where we graduated from, it's always Rollins. It's not uh, Rollins-Holt or the Holt School. We can actually say what's on the diploma. It says Rollins. So yes, that's what we say. So why did you go back to school and pick up an MBA then? I had been trying to determine where I wanted to do for my master's degree. And I had looked into international relations degrees as well. But after speaking to people in the federal government, they said, you know what we need? We need people with an MBA. And that sort of took me aback and they explained why, because they needed people who are well-rounded. And I Mm -hmm. said, all right, I'll go and get my MBA. Mm -hmm. And Rollins accepted me. So I went through again with Rollins Crummer. Cool. That's really good. And I know that's where we met. So I have my side of the story and you know, I always like telling it, but I'm not going to tell it today. I'm going to let you tell uh, me because I've never asked that question of you. Um, What is your side of the story of how we met and how did you see it? So there was, it was the very first networking event I think that I went to or the second, I want to say it was the first, I was very new to the MBA and everybody told me, you, you need to find an internship. You need to get that diversity. And at the time I was, again, I was working as a 911 dispatcher and I thought, you know, I want to branch out. I maybe, is this what I want to do with my life? Is this what I want to make my career? I wasn't sure. And I'm getting my MBA now. So I wanted to explore different avenues. Well, I met Isabella and long story short, she was the only one who actually consistently spoke to me. (laughs) She was the only one who really took the time to explain what she did in depth, how her company worked, where it was, how long it had been developed and really just took the time to become personable with me and get to that other level. The way that you tell it, Isabella, is that I followed you around like a pup dog. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I, okay. So now you opened that window. So I'm going to go ahead. So when I met her, it was over, like I said, well, like she was saying, at a Rollins College event. And it's cocktail tables and, you know, there's like finger food. And we're all supposed to, as employers, we have tables, but, you know, students are coming around talking to us. And, and it wasn't a dedicated table, but... 
we kept talking and uh, to me it was like she's like a little puppy you know i'm <laughs> going oh my god who is this girl she's like amazing and i did i found her so interesting and and the whole place shut down and she and i were like the last ones going out and to me, it was like, okay, she's supposed to, we're supposed to work together. She is supposed to be with me. And that's how I saw it because she was, to me, uh, very persistent and she showed a lot of tenacity. And that's what impressed me about her. Not that she was like a puppy, <laughs> it was the fact that she was just, yeah, yeah, she's adorable. But the fact that she was really, um, to me, very focused, saying, you know, I want to work here. And that impressed me. So I don't know if I said that to you before, but now you know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a cool thing there. Anyway, um, so a little story on how we met. Uh, and if you guys have, want to interrupt, feel free if you have something that you want to ask. But um, so what did you learn? Because we're, we're doing this campaign, and I think that you'll really like this. Katrina came up with this idea. It's what I learned. And so we're doing this hashtag what I learned. And we're, our goal is to make it trend, just so you know. Right now, if we put it into hashtags.org, it, it doesn't show up. But what I learned from the employer side and what I learned from the student side, and eventually it'll be a trending hashtag. But what did you learn from your internship that you think is applicable to what you're doing now or that you, in any capacity of your job? The first thing that comes to mind is just how multifaceted a company is. I didn't realize all of the depth and the ins and outs that it takes to run a company per se, because you will, I've always had the general, well, of course you have to have somebody dealing with the finance side and somebody is dealing with Maybe social media or, you know, there has to be employees, just the basics that you as a customer would see on a day to day basis. But I didn't realize that it took so long to come up with contracts, for example, and I hadn't realized that there was a lot of back and forth and negotiation that takes place when when talking to a client and making sure that you are putting out content that they want and that is the word I'm looking for, that is a continuation with their policies. And mm -hmm. it's not something that you thought looked cool or you thought would be a good fit. It's no, you have to double check and you have to be cross-checked. And there's a lot of I's that have to be dotted and a lot of T's that have to be crossed that mm -hmm. I just wasn't aware that those existed. That helped me in my current job sort of realize, oh, wait, I'm, I'm a very small part of this organization. And I knew that, obviously, on some level. I mean, I've been doing this. I don't know if you told anybody. I've been dispatching for nine years now. Yeah. She's a seasoned professional. <laughs> I know, and I love it. But yeah. so I knew on obviously some degree that yes I am just one piece of this wider puzzle but I wasn't interested in looking into that bigger puzzle mm -hmm. if it didn't directly affect me as a dispatcher until after I started my MBA and after you and I started working together mm -hmm. because then it was one of those oh wait so when I do this this affects this department when I do that this affects this department and when this department does this it affects me and or doesn't affect me and vice versa so it made me more interested in how the departments were being run mm -hmm. 
Brittany actually worked with me the longest out of all of the interns. Mm. And um, so she earned a spot in the intern pursuit game. And she's breezy. That's her yes. character. That is her nickname, okay. but that is the character in like, the Even game. when I was emailing you, I saw like it said Breezy, and I was like, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah that's that. me. <laughs> She's the inspiration. And then the other character, the male character in there, that's Delvin Jackson, and he's up in uh, North Carolina. And he was one of the people that worked on the game, too. So they both have a role in there. So it should be that if somebody is extraordinary, they get to be in the game. Yeah, uh, it's like an invitation. So <laughs> you want to be in the game, actually. Um, so we're going to jump over to uh, a little backstory. As you used to work in the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. so what's one of your best stories or a funny story or whatever from that experience? Or both. Or both. Or both. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I'm going to tell my best story first because okay. I have to think of a funny story because I just had so many guffaws when I was there. I think my best story, and it was one of my accomplishments, I managed to help the community. This wasn't anything that I did alone. Mm -hmm. I helped the community start a community bank. And just for background, I am horrible at math. It is not (laughs) my strong suit at all. And so for me, that was the project that I really wasn't paying as much attention to because I was an agriculture and food security volunteer. So while I understood that community banks was a project that I could also implement, it wasn't something I was focused on because I just kept thinking I had that block of, I'm not good at math. How am I going to, I'm not good at math in English. How am I going to explain this to them in Spanish? Because I had to work in Spanish. None of my community spoke English. So it, I mean, I'm trying to teach something and work in a completely different language, different country and all of that. So ultimately, we wound up with 10 people the first round, including myself. And let's see, I left July of 2013. And the first bank started in January of that year and went right up until my last day in the community so that I could go through a couple of rounds, a couple of cycles with them so that they understood how to do it and that there were various ways of operating the bank, whatever worked best for them. And we were talking things such as, you know, if somebody shows up late, they have to pay a fine. Mm -hmm. If you take out a loan, you have to pay back so much interest. Or you could only take up, say there was $1,000 in the bank. You could only take um, up to 500. You couldn't take out the entire bank. And it was just these different options that they could play with, right? Whatever was most beneficial for them. Mm -hmm. So what you have to understand about the exchange rate really quick was, at the time that I left, it was 26 Cordovas, which is the denomination, the, the monetary nomination there, to the dollar. So just to give you an idea, I keep in contact with two of the people routinely, and both of them are in the bank. One of them was the president when I left. The bank that they started in 2013 has grown to 15 And the last time I checked, which was October last year, I think was the last time we had to talk about the bank. They had about $1,500. Wow. Not us dollars in the bank that they had saved. That's cool. So I think that's my best story. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Because you help create uh, something that's contributing to their economic community. It's Mm -hmm. actually growing. So that definitely falls under that social enterprise thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. And they love it. They, every time I talk to them, they're, they'll email me or they'll text me and say, I didn't have to take out, I didn't have to ask friends for money for my, for my children's school books. I didn't have to ask for money to buy their graduation gown, or they were able to start one woman because she was in the bank was actually able to expand her mini grocery store business that she was running out of her home. Mm, Yeah. The microfinancing concept. Yep. Very familiar with that. I'm going to have to jump over to another question here. Um, Yeah, so we won't get to hear the funny story just yet. But um, great leaders, who has influenced your life that you you found to be extraordinary on a global level, a local level, and a personal level? On a global level, I was really having issues with this question, to be honest, because there's so many people who have influenced me on personally and on a on the local and global level, I have to go for the global level. I have to go with Elizabeth the first. Interesting. Why? She has always been my favorite. I find her an incredibly empowering historical figure. That's a queen, she, right? She was a queen. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Just making sure. <laughs> I'm not a historical. <laughs> I know. And she, she's always fascinated me. She had to go through, first of all, she lived in such a time of, just tremendous brutality when her father was cutting off his wife's heads or just divorcing them left and right for whatever reason. And she survived that. And she survived staying in the tower of terror. She survived her, she survived so many death plots and just everything that was thrown at her. She just overcame it with such grace and dignity from what I have read of her history. Is it because she couldn't give a son? Is that it? She's the Virgin Queen. Oh, okay, yeah. She never married, okay. which is another thing that I greatly respect. At the, she decided not to marry at a time when it was extraordinarily controversial not to marry. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not something that you did back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the local level, it can be state, local, state. You know, somebody that's you know more current. So. I have, I'm going to use these two examples on the state local level because I have other people for my personal. Um, one of my really good mentors while I was working at Seminole County Sheriff's Office was Ramona Rumpf, and she's the director of the communication center currently. She, she just checks on me all the time, even now that I'm gone. She will sometimes call me just to see how I'm doing, mm-hmm. uh, just to make sure that I'm following the goals that I had expressed to her at 19 mm-hmm. and seeing where I was at that point. And she actually was the reason why I pursued my undergrad at Rollins college, mm-hmm. because again, I'm 19, 20 years old and I had just gotten my two year degree from Seminole state and now Seminole state. And I went up to her and I said, look, I have this opportunity to go to Ron's college, but I'm supposed to go to night shift and it's not going to, this particular program isn't going to work if I'm on nights. Mm -hmm. And she actually, I, I think personally, she will deny this, I think. Um, but I think she tried to keep me on days a lot longer than I should have been. (laughs) Um, (laughs) she, she really tried, I think, to keep me on days as long as she possibly could before telling me I had to go on to 
night shift for a little bit, but she was one of the most supportive figures that really just made sure that I was getting my degree and again, following my dream and just, like I said, just making sure that I was okay Yeah, is more than just an employee, just a human being. And also in that local state category, I am going to give a shout out to my friend, James Evans. He is, I met him in 2014 and we just sort of hit it off. We met at work and he's now one of the, he's just a really good friend in my life. Him and his wife are, they've been very supportive of what I've done with my degrees and with my choices and James is just sort of, we, we taught, he's very blunt. So mm-hmm. <laughs> when I do something or I say something, he'll look at me and he'll say, you have an MBA, act like you have an MBA. <laughs> and, uh, cause I'll grouse about something and he's, he's been very good about making sure that I am thinking logically mm-hmm. as opposed to thinking emotionally. Yeah. If you will. So, and yeah. he and I have a lot of really good conversations and he as well, he'll, come to me because he has, he's a real estate agent and a really good one. And I'm not just saying that because he's my friend. He's legitimately a really good real estate agent. He, um, he would come to me because I was interning with Isabella at the time. He would ask my opinion on social media. So he and I were able to bounce ideas off of each other and we figured out, Oh, okay, well that tactic works and that tactic doesn't work and that sort of thing. And then on a personal level, I mean, I want to say it's obvious, like Isabella, duh. Oh. <laughs> um, <Aww. laughs> we've been, Hugs. she's became more than just my intern boss. She's one of my, she's one of my friends now, you know. Yeah, I mean, we are. <laughs> and then my mom. That's so, nice. Because my, my mom made it possible for me to stay at home. My mom was the reason why I didn't have to take out a loan when I was getting my undergrad. That was something that she said to me when I was 18 and I had it in my head that, Oh, when you're 18, you have to move out of the house. You have to live on your own. And she said, the one thing I can give you is letting you live at home with me rent free mm-hmm. essentially. And she said, you can save. She said, the one thing I can do, I can make sure that you have a good start. Yeah. That's, that's a really kind gift that a parent can give a child. Yes. And yeah. it was, it was tremendous. And I really am very thankful for that. I know. I heard you say that many, many times about your mom. I know that's true. Well, I have to switch over so I can let Eric have some show time too. So, but I don't know if you have to bounce out or not, but if you can stay in, that would be great because we have uh, some sign-offs that we do. And I would probably ask you one more question at that point in time. But I do want to make sure I give uh, Eric a a chance to be able to share his stories because he has some interesting things to share. No, of course, I'll stick around. Yeah, great. Okay, good. Yay, me. Okay. All right, time for the intern spotlight with Eric Garcia, a previous Pivot Business Consulting intern, UCF graduate from General Business Management Program. How you doing, Eric? Doing well, doing well. All right. And what made you choose your degree? Hmm. First things first, the reason why I chose that degree was because I want to eventually have my own restaurant one day. And um, getting a generalized business degree was kind of a fallback that mm-hmm. in case if the restaurant 
industry wasn't for me, I could still use the other departments that were in that degree. So like I could go into a job that with financing, accounting, maybe a marketing firm, maybe something outside of the restaurant industry. So it was a wide umbrella that I could just use. Okay. So. And curious, um, what do you think of the opinion? Because I used to be a business major at UCF. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know, like, um, I did the integrative program, which mm-hmm. was pretty much the generalized program, and they changed the name. Yeah. So I'm like, what's your opinion of people doing things like the generalized program of something rather than doing like something technically specific? Well, I kind of have two things on that. So mm-hmm. like, I had someone uh, while I was at high school um, down in South Florida. Someone from all the major universities came down, and the person from UCF really like. Uh, they really popped out to me. And they said that UCF's uh, generalized business program, you could essentially choose the department that you want to be a part of. Mm. And so, like, I would, uh, I took that to heart. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to UCF. I want to take a lot of finance classes and managerial classes. And I go there for my freshman, junior year. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, you can keep doing that. By the time my junior year comes around, they then change the academic calendar to where the generalized business degree is now has to be more management and marketing. So I could only take three classes from finance, mm, whereas I okay. could have made half of my degree finance. So I was really intrigued with financial markets and everything. But, yeah. So, I mean, now with the generalized, I I don't know. One of my roommates, uh, he's in the integrated business program. So mm. I don't know. Is it more like management and marketing now or or what can you pick whatever you want now as a person who's only there as a business major for a semester then i changed Uh-oh. it no idea <laughs> okay all right but i just know like the people's opinions or just in general when people when it comes to um generaliz- generalization specific like uh specializing in something so i know like some people view it as negative sometimes a positive so i kind of just want your opinion on it yeah um i think it's i think it's a positive thing um because at the end at the end of the day the stuff that you learn in like say a certain marketing class or like say marketing research uh, market research and analysis that class covered everything like type different types of surveys you could use in a finance department different types of knowledge and tools and statistical tools you could use for a managerial firm like you know you could just use different things the classes were very broad and so the classes themselves were able to cover you know all the other departments so at the end of the day for me it was good i found value in it and i'm pretty sure other people can all right good to hear general majors Listen to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And how have you used your studies in school towards your career goals? Definitely. Yeah, because he's a graduate now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. De- definitely because um, the last class during my senior year was called strategic management. And I took that class to heart from the very first day. And the whole point of being a strategic manager is taking your short-term and long-term goals and making them almost one. Like, mm-hmm. never you lose focus of just short-term goals. Never lose your focus on your long-term goals. And so I took that to heart when I was, you know, going to school. I was like, all right, what's the first thing I got to do to get closer to getting my restaurant? Every single, I got to hope that every single day I'm working towards or working with something that's getting me closer to that. So currently, now I'm in the restaurant industry. So now I'm also in upper management. So now I know now I know the ins and outs of like how to run a restaurant now, especially mm-hmm. at the upper management level. So, and then as for long-term goals, I'm learning now the financial sides, like how the profits, how P and L and just all sorts of things in the restaurant industry. So that's helping me get my career goals of finally getting my own restaurant one day. And so then it's if like not, you're learning how to cost items so that you would know how to prepare better budgets. It's built mm-hmm. around what you learn in the menus you have to create the menu, but before you can even create the menu, you have to sit here and think, okay, how much is all of this going to cost? 
and then how much am I going to have to be able to charge to make sure I get profit back, right? Yeah, um, that's one thing is that, like, my classes, um, they kind of talked a little bit about um, profit margins for different items, but now when you're working with, like, an inventory guide of over, like, 300 items and knowing how all of these items work with each other, so, like, how much green onions go into this dish, how much onions, all these other things, small things, but now on top of that, it's, like, one item can go into... 10 different items mm. so it's like and then different ratios so the profit margin so say for if a dish is like just ten dollars but this dish specifically only uses a few cents of green onions or another dish uses about maybe nine dollars worth of, of ribeye like so all that all that really opened up my eyes as to the backside of a restaurant which normally i just thought okay um, I'm going to price, like, I want to eventually have a Mexican restaurant slash gastro bar. So I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to sell my sandwich for eight bucks. Uh, I know my meat costs this, but then that's about it. Now, when you really go into ounces and into teaspoons and tablespoons or to specific items, it was, it just blew my mind. Like, I never really thought of it that much. I just, like I said, I just thought, all right, I'm going to sell it for this much. Boom. Open up my doors yeah. and hope a customer <laughs> walks in. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> At and this we know point a now. lot of restaurants will fail because they probably don't do exactly like <laughs> what you just shared with us. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been in the restaurant industry now? Well, I would say at different categories uh, for about seven years now. I'm 24. Mm -hmm. And so I started my first job at uh, working at between a Panera Bread and um, this little hot dog stand in, uh, in down south. So, like, I would just fluctuate between the two while I was in high school. And then when I was in college, I would always go, you know, stay with my parents during the mm -hmm. summer. I would just call up Panera Bread or that hot dog stand. They're like, hey, can I get a job? So... I would always be with them for a few, like literally my entire summer break. So, and then now, now it's just been uh, probably since my senior year at UCF, which that was uh, 2015, 2016. Um, that was, I would say, at high scale or large, high volume restaurants. So like working as a line cook in places that the line can wrap around the door or wrap around the entire building or mm -hmm. just... Um, you know, just like I said, high volume. Like Panera Bread, it was something like, you know, just dealing with like being like a little, they don't even call it a line cook. You're just like a sandwich maker mm -hmm. or you're a baker or you're working in the front of house and that would be about it. But then for just now lately, uh, it's high volume. Mm -hmm. And that I feel is like a, the true restaurant industry, at least for me. So Eric got to work with one of my clients, a previous client. He's not a client with me any longer, mm -hmm. but we'll give them a shout out. It's Pig Floyd's Urban Barbacoa. If you have, I, I helped write that business plan, and we wrote, uh, we designed their one of their original websites, and that food is spectacular. I'm going to tell you, it was really good. So he actually got to go and work in there, in that restaurant, to better understand what does it take from an entrepreneurial point of view mm -hmm. to be able to start that restaurant. And I knew that was one of his goals, and I didn't think of a, a better place to go because I, I love this family, I love the food that mm -hmm. they serve. And he got to work on the line. He got to see how it's done on the front, but all of the hard work that went into it. It, it was just a great opportunity because you can't really go into to be a line cook at any other big restaurant and say, like, oh, you've only worked at Panera Bread or, yeah. at like, at a hot dog stand. And it's just like they're like, well, 
have you ever, you know, sauteed onions? Have you been standing for like eight to ten hours just on a line on a line where like the oven's constantly being opened and four hundred degrees is just hitting your face or like in front of a stovetop? Like, can you withstand that? And I'd like, I, I don't know. I've never experienced that. Pig Floyd's did that. Like, um, they called it baptism by fire, working a, uh, a uh, <laughs> on a Friday or Saturday, and it would just be you and one other person dealing and like just making food and for a two three thousand dollar dinner rush and it's just me myself and one other person like oh cooking the food mm. but yet there's like a big staff you know that's um it's it, it's a fast casual uh pig Floyd's is fast casual so it's you order at a yummy. counter you order at a counter they give you a number and then you just wait and then a food runner comes with your order so they don't really need that many people in the back because as long as they're just like not like not as long as they keep moving and you're pumping out food like you can sustain that. So mm -hmm. it really opened up my eyes a lot to now I know how like the, the do's and don'ts of certain restaurants, any place that I've worked at, I've, I've kept like a little checklist of what I want to keep in my restaurant or what I shouldn't do. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And so one of the important things is he's, he's branched out into some other um, types of cuisine. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was really a valuable lesson too, because it was something I encouraged him to see how other restaurants do things because yeah, you can know what you, you want to do in your own restaurant. And it's not maybe that they did something that was bad. I, I don't want to necessarily say that. But you definitely learn how you want to do something in your own business. Because I've worked in a lot of different places, and some of them being law firms, because I'd go and set up those offices. But uh, I, I definitely had my takeaways of, well, I, like, I don't want to do I would do things this. differently. I yeah. wouldn't do that. I might, yeah, okay. I would yeah. do it differently. And this is why. Because yeah. it's based on your personality, your preferences, the, the, the standards that you have. And everybody has their own standards. So mm -hmm. uh, good life lessons, definitely. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to try his food <laughs> because he mm -hmm. hasn't shared what type of food. Okay. I, well, okay. no, you I'll, did. I'll, I'll, get into, I'll get into that. Uh, we'll, we'll put that at the end. Okay, yeah. And how close do you think you are to actually um, making your restaurant reality? Definitely something within, I want to say, a five to ten year plan. Okay. Because I've been involved with, um, which again, I'll get into later, um, into different organizations now, especially around uh, the Semeron area. Um, and so there's a lot of, say, investors willing to, they want to expand their portfolio. Some of them want to be like, you know, not be 100% invested in like a restaurant, but they at least be like, say, a silent owner. So like mm -hmm. they'll have someone else, you know, like say myself, like they'll be like, oh, you know how to, you know, do menu design, you know how to do profit margin, you just need the, the capital. And so there's other people who I'm trying to get like a pool of and also recruit different members from my family. So I have an older brother who's been in the uh, the, cock the cocktail fam or cocktail industry, craft cocktail industry um, and craft beer industry. I have a cousin who's been a general manager um, for some restaurants for now 15 years. And so, you know, I'm trying to recruit them and then along with myself and then I pretty sure I did the math and we're all between like 25 to 35 years of restaurant experience between all three of us. Hmm. And so with them, like we, they, we would all support the same concept of having a gastro bar, which is basically a brewery that serves, I guess, not really upscale food, but you know, just healthy for me, it would be healthy, organic Mexican food that would be pairing well with these craft, with, with these, <laughs> cra with, with craft beer. 
Yeah. yeah. So his background is he's Mexican heritage. I am. Yeah. And I've had some delicious food that has come from this family. His sister has also worked with me, and they've brought food in, and it's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Sounds yeah, like you're yeah, destined yeah. to have your own restaurant. Oh, <laughs> based yeah. Based on all I, the background you just yeah, told me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, like, one of the things is that I just love so, – some of my friends were some of the first ones to tell me, like, yo, you should have your own restaurant. Because, you know, I was just on, it's a Friday night. Instead of us going out, I just say, hey, everyone come over, and I'll just cook. And they were, like, my first guinea pigs. <laughs> I was just like, what, what to do, like, when I made stuff. And then – Eventually, I like started making chili a lot, and I brought it once to a like a Christmas potluck mm-hmm. and uh, with Isabella, and then yeah. it was all gone within like the first thirty minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I literally bought or made probably like four or five pounds of chili, and it was all gone. Yeah, we like, loved oh. it. It was good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, what do you think? This was one of my questions. I want to ask: What do you think is the best thing that you make that would be your signature dish? Hmm. Please tell me, Flan. Uh, no, no honestly, okay. I hate. I don't say I hate Flan. I hate it. I'm oh, not a big custard rats. guy. I'm no. not a big custard guy. One of the best things is that I don't know. I like like tacos, like tacos specifically. But like, I can just make a, such a wide range because like you know, I have friends who have different eating habits. I have friends who are vegan, vegetarian, pescatarians, and hardcore carnivores. Yeah. And I've and I've honestly I've pleased all of them with different things mm-hmm. that I've made. So. Um, I guess, yeah. Honestly, tacos themselves and like making the tortillas from from just nothing to something mm-hmm. is just something that a lot of people are like. Oh, I can just buy that from my food distributor. But it's like that's such an integ- like an integral part when you're making, say, sandwiches or tacos. Is that to make the base yourself? So many people want to outsource that, and I feel like that that is you, like you making your own bread for your sandwiches, you making your own tortillas for your taco shop or whatever. Is just like. You going the extra mile to make that is, I guess, just makes a foundation for whatever dish you're going to make or use with that. I love tacos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. And, okay, going back to your internships and just you gaining all these skills, how did you meet Isabella? Hmm. Well, I got a email from my financial markets teacher, uh, his Mr. Curcio, and he sent me an email of about that there was an internship open with Coldwell Banker. And the person who was sponsoring it or who was like who you would actually be working with um, would be with Pivot Business Consulting. Mm-hmm. And so it was my the beginning of my senior year and I never did an internship while I was in college, which is something a lot of people look at me. They're like, you didn't do an internship till your like senior year. And I was like, yeah, uh, I had to get out of my comfort zone. That was the thing. I was like when I got that email, I was like, you know, what? I haven't done an internship. I have friends now who've done two or three internships and like you know that was they were sophomores or juniors so i was like you know i'm gonna get myself out of you know out of my comfort zone i was just a hundred percent content with just working and going to school and that's it and i thought oh that's gonna get me a job that's gonna you know i'm gonna be set instead i was like you know what i'm gonna see you know what's what's coldwell banker like what's you know this pivot this pivot business consulting stuff let's <laughs> let's apply for it and then i eventually met isabella at a starbucks um i would say that i know it's like near a guitar center and it's near rollins basically the, yeah the, the, the one over in the winter park village mm-hmm. so yeah so we'd set up an interview and that's that's when we met yeah hmm. all right and what projects did you guys work on during your internship 
Um, well, first of all, Coldwell Banker. Um, I learned David Hunter. David Hunter. Yeah, he was. Uh, he knew that I wanted to have my own restaurant, and so he basically was going to have an itinerary where he was going to show me all of, like the specifics as to when you're looking or trying to satisfy a customer that wants, you know, a a retail or a restaurant space. Like these are the specifications that if they're looking for this, you want to please them with that or this and that. And so he was showing me all the different things, different contracts and permits that you would even be needing. And again, that's just something I was like, oh, you just got realtor and then boom, you're done for as a restaurant. Like he was, you could save a lot of money if you knew a lot of that stuff on your own. And like if you knew what to look for, you it would save you some money. Yeah. And also just be knowledgeable to also know on like, you know, if like a realtor is showing you all this, know what to look for. Like you could catch almost that realtor off guard. It should be like, oh, how are the grease traps on this? Like when was the last time they were cleaned? The city of Orlando wants uh, grease traps cleaned uh, quarterly. Do you think that's something a real estate agent knows though? They should. At least, at least, at least on the commercial real estate level. Like if to know, like, you know, if you're, if you're trying to sell me a real, uh, you know, a restaurant spot, I want it. And it's like a used, uh, restaurant spot. Mm. I want to know, like, are they up to date? Because mm. that's another problem is that sometimes depending on how, uh, how old those spots are, their septic tanks and their grease and their grease traps can be connected. Yeah. I would and not you, have you thought he- of that. <laughs> you could hear some very bad horror stories about really old like you know how people want like oh that old that old building and they yeah. want to make it a restaurant. A historic kind of a look or something. Yeah, next thing you know it if uh the grease trap backs up, it's not just all grease. Let me put it that way. Yeah, never mind. We don't want to know. Yeah. That. I'll say any commercial real estate people listening right now, they know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They sure do. And what do you think was the most valuable skill you um, learned during your time with Isabel? Yeah, the what I learned hashtag. The what I learned hashtag. Yeah, what to you work learn? with different people uh, from different departments. So, like when I was when I was there, there were like graphic designers, there were finance majors, marketing majors, just knowing that everyone was one cohesive group trying to you know get to the same goal at the end of the day. And I think that's something that anyone in any business or even any field like you know working with people from different backgrounds different mindsets like you know you're all trying to get to one goal at the end of the day and so at least like use different people's viewpoints use diff- everyone's different skills skill set and so try to achieve that goal so i think that was something that it i really saw be, like, would you say that it actually helped you to be more conversive because you were working with different ethnicities you mm-hmm. were working with Lots of diversity, of course, but then you're also having to learn how to navigate and talk to people from other departments. Yeah, that's definitely talking. Like, I've become such a, I've become even more of a social person since the internship because, again, I had it, like I said, I had, like the whole point of the internship was to get me, I was a very shy person. Mm-hmm. I only had my close set of friends, my family, and pretty much that was about it. So now meeting, meeting these people in this internship, I was like, oh, wow, I have to converse with all of them and, you know, form, you know, these professional relationships with everyone. It then got me to when I went to my first restaurant, or not first, but to Pig Floyd's. And then again, as I moved up, I just get, kept getting more and more social with people, learned meeting new people. And then again, you know, just networking at the end of the day. And now... It's about and, confidence? And Did then, you say confidence? Yes, definitely co- confidence, and but also staying humble about it. You don't want to also toot your horn the whole time mm-hmm. while, you know. So for me, definitely staying humble with it, with with that confidence, I think. so. Very good. Yeah. All right. And what piece of wisdom would you pass on to other seeking internships? Would it be that, try to find that confidence to try to get out of their comfort zone? Get, yeah. The, y- everyone has confidence, they just don't know it. 
because for me that's what I, that's what it was i was like oh wow i am this people person i do like talking to people i don't know i do like hearing what these people have to offer too and so i just i just wish my you know my younger self and also other people who haven't done these internships you know i hope they know that that it's like you know you can do this get out of your comfort zone meet new people do new things and then it'll get you farther I think Definitely. that's really good uh, Good advice, too, is to realize it's temporary. Yeah, it's just com- temporary. Coming from a, I, I would say I'm an introvert at the end of the day. Oh, I am, too. And <laughs> so, like, me, I, you know, I like, I like, you know, I like my me times, you know, just being by myself. But at the same time, it's just like there's, there's times, you know, you have to be an extrovert. And it's everyone has that capacity to be one. You know, even if they say they're that hardcore introvert, you know, mm-hmm. they could, you can always talk to other people, you know, learn. Yeah, I guess that's one reason, like, even for me, like, I love talking to other people, too, but one reason I like doing this show is just because it kind of feels just like a one-on-one conversation, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. or just, like, one mm-hmm. and two, whatever. Yeah. But, I, very, I like the Small intimate. Small group. Mm-hmm. I like the intimate feel of this building. It's exactly. Great. So it's like, I always like to just, you know, ask, like, a normal question, not just, mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to interview you, I just want a specific answer. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk to you. Yeah. yeah. So. I like it. All right. So Let's I think we have one, time for one more question. Can we ask him the leader question? We can. On a global level, local level, and personal level, Three leaders that you find extraordinary. I wouldn't really say I have one for global. I would say I just put two for the local slash state level and then one for the personal level. Sure. So for the local ones, it would be the um, the executive director for Gateway Orlando. His name is Miguel Guinard, and he he is definitely a person who I see that he's trying to lead this organization. Well, first of all, Gateway Orlando is a an economic organization that is trying to, you know, boost up, say, sales and branding in the Semeron area, everything from 528 up to Colonial. Um, they're creating that as a district the same way. There's the Milk, the milk District, Mills 50, and stuff like that. And so he, I see him hustling day in, day out to, like, you know, to, you know, get all these businesses together, um, whether it's retail, hotels, and, like, he's just trying to, you know, bring them all together because at the end of the day, if all the businesses are being profitable, that means they're paying people, you know, living wages, and then they, these people who are working there have dispensable income, and so it's this, this friendly circle that is just constantly rotating, and so he's a, he's a very influential leader in, in, uh, that I've met in the past few months, and then also I would say Isabella, too, because... Oh. Because I get two shout outs. <laughs> she gets like, she gets two because at the end of the day she got you. she got me on this career path and then I see her hustling too all the time. And that that's just something that I I also I guess you know, I did at times too, but to see two other individuals that I'm constantly in communication with, uh, it's just I don't know, I respect that. I respect oh, that. Well a lot. thank you. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you also. Eric, I appreciate that. No problem. And on a personal level, I'd say my dad because he was he's definitely the one who instilled uh my work ethic and uh, definitely like my moral compass. So <laughs> that's something that, you know, shout outs shout outs to you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I I know that they're very, very tight, this family, so that's super cool that you <laughs> give that. And just on this side, we had a mom recognized and we had a dad. So parents, you guys all play a significant role in your adult children's lives, and that's important. I know that you say the same, Jaron. So of course. including thank you, Mom your and dad. aunt, yeah. aunt mm-hmm. I know. Well, we thank you, my whole family, really. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> right? It's a family matter. Yeah, yeah. We oh, yeah. definitely have a family. Yeah. 
So I know that time just flew by here, <laughs> and we have to. <laughs> we're going to have to be able to say goodbye because we but, have. But before to, we say goodbye, let's yeah. get to our second sponsor. Okay, let's do BMDM that. Marketing Agency. BMDM is a direct marketing agency focused on helping companies reach individuals through online and offline means. Through their newest product, enables them to send postcards or letters to the homes of anonymous website visitors within 24 hours of their visit, using a patented IP matching technology and our in-house on-demand printing. Thank you, BMDM Marketing Agency, for sponsoring the Intern Whisper. I'm going to have to get some music here, so we have some transition music. So um, I'm also going to give a shout-out to Valencia. We love Valencia College. Thank you for letting us be here on Valencia College East Campus. Thank you to John Q for being our person that makes sure that all of this great stuff happens and, and giving us the support we need. We know that they have knowledgeable staff, a fantastic environment to work in, this cool mood lighting that's mm -hmm. going on in our room, and easy equipment to learn because now that transfer of knowledge will be coming from Jerron to me. So thank you for that, Valencia. And do our guests have any shout-outs before we end the show? Let's go to Brittany first. I would like to take a shout-out, obviously, to Isabella again. Thank you for having me on the Three. show. And <laughs> to my family and my boyfriend, Robbie, who has been very supportive through my career changes and just being with me and just being very supportive overall. That is super cool. Well, thank you for the shout-out. Mm -hmm. And also thanks to all of your, your, your wonderful people in your life. I'm very, very happy uh, to hear that. All right. Any for you, Eric? Definitely my entire family for supporting me in my career choices and uh, to honestly being that foundation of support as well as uh, my significant other. Um, she's the one who basically also, again, has guided me towards a lot of things. Um, I heard she's been life. on the show before. She was. She was here on the show. What's her name? Her name is Yoshila Vega. Yes, or she AKA is. Yoshi. Yeah. So, yeah, def definitely my family, her and Isabella, because all three of them, all three of them have just literally gotten to me or gotten me to the point that I am now in my life. And so, again, I can't thank everyone enough. Oh, yeah, good to hear. Very mm -hmm. nice. And of course, my usual shout outs to my family, as I said earlier. So yeah. thank you again. <laughs> yeah. And then you, since everybody's doing the family thing, I'm going to say a shout out. Yeah, I have uh, my dad who's in Oklahoma. I have a brother that's over there in the Daytona area. Um, my mom, she's not with me any longer, but, you know, my parents were really instrumental. So shout outs mm -hmm. to them. Thank you to Valencia College, Michelle Ter Terrell, and also all of the intern coordinators on all of the campuses. I, I love you people. Shout-outs to Rollins, Full Sail, Seminole State. My goodness, uh, UCF. Don't want to leave any of the schools <laughs> out. You guys are all go awesome Knights. to work with. Yeah, <laughs> go Knights. <laughs> That's right. So news about the show. Continue to watch us. Next week we're going to talk about um, really cool things about the seven – criteria for internships it's changed from six to seven mm -hmm. we're going to talk about ucf's the exchange and we're also going to talk about what was the other thing lakeland oh Hatchet. lake highland yes <laughs> lake highland prep they came in and they're doing a case study on intern pursuits so we're going to have updates and we're going to be bringing them in as guests to the show all right, and before we end the show, I want to do what we did when we started the show with me saying, this is Jerron, this is Isabella, but with our guest as well. So, Brittany, you can start it off. Say, this is, this is, this is Brittany. <laughs> That's what you were saying. This is Brittany signing off. <laughs> okay. This is Eric. This is Isabella. And this is Jerron. And thank you for listening to the Intern Whisperer Live. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.